that you're with us this morning as we begin this new series, The Grudge. And a special shout out to John and Carol. They're joining us from the sunny south, and they hope to be with us by the end of the month. So we're hoping to see them in person. And a special welcome to those who may be joining us first time online or in uh, here in person. Uh, we just really appreciate you being here. And we're hoping and planning that this series will touch you wherever you're at in your spiritual walk. So as it's been talked about, if you're just checking things out, uh, we think that you'll, there'll be some takeaways that could help you in your regular life, everyday life, and the same for those of us who have known Christ for uh, some while. Now, when I do a series, I usually am not picking a series because I know a situation's going on over here. So as we go through series, as we change up the topics and subjects, I want you to realize that I'm not like going, oh, Joe so-and-so, you know, is having this, so I'll talk about this. And when they do match up, I'm going to say that's a God thing, that God is helping me and our leadership team pick subjects that actually apply to your life where you are right now. So please, uh, sometimes people go, I th- it was like you were just talking straight at me. Were you like in my house this week? And no, that, that's a God thing. That's God working through uh, what we're teaching on, talking about. So as we, as we talk about the grudge, uh, you know, grudge is something you think you might have to like wipe off. Ooh, I got the grudge or something like that. But really, it's something that's inside us. And all of us, no matter where we're at, have times where it can kind of grab a hold of our hearts. So when we're talking about this for the next four weeks, we're talking about how to take steps, how to move in a certain direction so that gets, in a sense, out of our heart, cleanses our heart. And we need to realize that sometimes we've been traveled 10 miles in to wherever we are in life, and we'd hope that we could just throw a switch and be out of the woods, if you will. And all of these things we talk about, if it took us 10 miles to get in and walk in, it's going to take us 10 miles to get out. Now, hopefully, hopefully, because we know the terrain a little bit, it will be quicker than the time it took us to get in there. But it does take time. There's not an automatic, we're just now, I've decided this, and now I'm not going to have a grudge, and and everything's going to be great. It takes steps. It takes a process. So we understand that. So over the next few weeks, we hope you recognize and can see the places in your life where maybe there's a grudge. Maybe there's a little bitterness, and it's been in there, and it's been in there maybe for lots of years, or maybe it's just come into your life, and how to recognize that and how to deal with that, and how to see where sometimes we hold something against ourselves, sometimes we obviously hold something against God, and uh, sometimes we, you know, hold something about others. So again, that's the whole process, that's what we're, we're hoping to do. So uh, this week, I had an aha moment, it actually happened Friday morning, and uh, I was up early because I'd been in Erie, Pennsylvania on Thursday for a meeting. And so uh, I was up early trying to get some things together, get the message guide that's in front of you uh, to Megan so she could do her wonderful editing and find mistakes and those kinds of things. So I was up early. It's up around 3.15. Some of you on Facebook may have seen this. And, and I went to the refrigerator, and this is our refrigerator in our house. And uh, it was dark because it was that early. And to my surprise, when I opened it up, And uh, that actually is not the inside of our refrigerator, so don't worry about that. I've been married long enough not to show you what our refrigerator looks like. But anyway, I can show you the outside, and about that's about as much as you're going to see on the inside of the refrigerator. So anyway, it was 3.15. I'm like sleepwalking, not happy, but I'm getting going. And I open up the refrigerator, and out comes flying the Frank's Red Sauce. I don't know how it happened. Well, I'm getting to know how it happened, but I really wasn't sure what was happening. It was like in the 
door the wrong way. I just opened it. It comes flying out, lands on my foot, doesn't hurt my foot, but the top breaks off. And there is hot sauce going everywhere. And I am so dazed that I look at my, foot, my slipper and I just see it just going, blah, boom, blah, boom, blah, boom, going, what is going on? And so I then eventually realized, wait a minute, pick that up before it gets everywhere. So anyway, so there I am, 315, up for a purpose, and I'm cleaning all this stuff. Everybody else is asleep, and I'm a little bit angry, okay, a lot angry. I, I'm like, why did this happen? I need to be working on my message guide, not cleaning stuff up. And so I'm cleaning things up everywhere, and uh, then all of a sudden I realize I'm a little more angry about this than I should be. And I realized this has been like an issue in my life. I've kind of held it against my family that I would like a neater refrigerator. I would like the salad dressings all in one spot, and they always go back there. I'd like these things and these things and all this. I've even tried to get Cindy, could we put a label like this is the salad dressing thing? Anyway, so I realized that this, this expression, all the heat more than, than um, Frank's red hot sauce, where this, all this was coming from was coming from that I had kind of been ticked off about this. I don't know if I want to say bitter, but little grudge, you know, about why they can't just put things back where they belong, and the Thousand Islands always goes here, and the soda goes here, and when you finish the last bottle out, you put another one in place, all those kinds of things, and I realized, wow, this is kind of like, I've, this is what I'm talking about on Sunday, and this is a, this is a one I can actually share, because it's, it's kind of funny, kind of sad, but uh, so you know to pray for our family about this. But I came home Friday afternoon, and I was still, you know, I was happy not to smell red hot sauce all over the floor, because for like the morning, it still smelled like that. And I happened to look up at the ceiling, and we've got like nine-foot ceilings, and there up at the top, there was still red sauce. It went everywhere. It was explosive. And when you and I talk about grudges, when we talk about bitterness, it can be explosive. And we think we've taken care of it. We think we've gotten on the other side of it. Or we think we just won't deal with it. And it is there ready to fall out of the refrigerator. And I kid you not, Saturday morning, the same thing happened. Except it wasn't the red sauce. It was this stuff. I don't even know what that is. And um, I've discovered that it's Mariah who wasn't putting it back in there. So that's uh, what happened there. And uh, that fell out and hit my foot. But uh, it, fortunately, it didn't spill and go everywhere. So this idea that it just didn't go away. I thought Friday after I had finished my message, God, I go, okay, you're cool about this. But then Saturday morning, out comes another bottle. And it was hot sauce, just a different kind. You see, when we start to deal with bitterness and grudges, when we start to try to figure out how to unpack those in our life, a lot of times we look at who caused it. We try to defer. And really what I'm responsible for, what you're responsible for, is whether I'm responding or whether I'm reacting. And response is good, reaction is not. And when we do react like I did with the hot sauce, that sometimes means something else. Something else is buried in our heart. And we see this starting right from the beginning. Adam and Eve in the garden. Some of us are familiar with the story. The fall, they eat the forbidden fruit, all this that's going on. And as the dust starts to clear and they're trying to figure out what goes on, we see that Adam says this. He says, the woman you put here with me who gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Immediately, 
Adam goes to blaming somebody else immediately. And Eve does the same thing, if you read the story. It's interesting. Immediately I go, well, they should fix the refrigerator. They should neaten it up. I shouldn't have to be like dodging things falling out of the refrigerator. And normally that doesn't happen, but it just happened to happen two mornings in a row. And, uh, you know, I shouldn't, I, 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 I want to put the blame for my reaction on somebody else. But the reaction is all me. And I'm not trying to minimize any of the things that have happened in your life. You may, again, be in the middle of something where it's heavy lifting and somebody's hurt you, somebody's crushed you, and uh, it, it is hard. And I'm not saying you just throw a switch, but our response is our response. And so we want to check in with this and make sure that the grudge in here is getting out of here so that when we have these situations, uh, we respond and not react. Because when we react, it is explosive and it makes a mess. So how does a, a grudge take hold in my heart? How does a grudge take hold in my life? Just a, just a couple ideas about this. How does it take hold? What uh, happens in my life? The first thing is there's usually disappointment and a, a woundedness. Uh, there's some kind, of, some kind of hurt. Somebody lets us down. They disappoint us. Uh, it can be on any level of the disappointment scale, right? It can be a little bit of disappointment or it can be a lot of disappointment. And it just, it just bugs us and it, it bothers us or it really crushes us and we are wounded. And then we have to figure out what's going to happen. Is a grudge, is grudge going to take hold of our heart? Uh, some of you may be the story of King David in the Older Testament, and there's Ammon, who's his oldest son. There's Tamar, who is uh, one of his daughters, and Ammon likes Tamar and forces himself on her, and then that whole situation unfolds, and you can read about that. And then there's Absalom, uh, Tamar's uh, brother, and he is just upset, obviously, right? And then obviously there's, there's King David. And we read this, we read that uh, King David heard the whole story and was enraged, but he didn't discipline Amon. Absalom quit speaking to Amon, not a word, whether good or bad, because he hated him. And then we have this thing, two years went by. Now, this situation is horrific, horrendous, but all those little actions going on there seem to be able to happen in situations that aren't as horrendous. But all of a sudden, people stop talking. David's enraged, but he doesn't do anything about it. Absalom just quits speaking. Not a word. And two years go by. And if you know the rest of the story, there's death, there's destruction, there's a revolution. And at the end of this story, David and his government, if you will, his leaders, are running from Jerusalem because Absalom has taken over power and he's after him. And the story ends with Absalom dying, David comes back, but it's just, it's, it's like grudge city, worst experience. And you and I can have some of these same things happen by disappointment and woundedness. So the question is, what do we do with that? How do we respond to that? How do we work through that? And when we don't, it just takes hold of us. Like I said, I, you know, the stuff falls out, and I, I was mad. I was mad. 
because I didn't like the fact that there was so much stuff in that shelf that it would fall out. And then it made me even madder that it was spilling all over the floor. And then it made me laugh in the afternoon when I saw it on the ceiling. So, uh, you know, it's just, it, uh, you know, it, it, and we have those things. Disappointments in wilderness, it's, we see it in the story of the uh, prodigal son. So I'm most familiar with this. Younger son wants his inheritance, takes it off, squanders it, then comes to his senses because he's run out of money and times are hard. He comes back to his dad, hoping just to even be a servant in his house. Gets back, his father welcomes him, open arms, wants to have a, a party to celebrate that he's back. Older son gets wind of it. He hears the music and probably smells the food cooking. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father actually went out from the party and pleaded with him. Come on. The older son had been holding a grudge and it had turned into bitterness. And we don't know the time frame. We don't know how much the bitterness was that he just didn't really like even doing the things that he was supposed to do for being the older son. It's connected with the younger son. There's just a lot of intrigue going on there. A lot of possibilities. But the disappointment and woundedness is what causes uh, the grudge to, uh, in a sense, tighten its hold on a person's life. And we're going to be in a world that disappoints us, and we're going to be in a world that wounds us. We're going to be in relationships that disappoint us. Even the closest relationship you have, there can be times where your expectations don't match up the other person's expectations. Even sometimes it's not a right or wrong thing, and you walk away from that disappointed, hurt, wounded. It's a part of life. So what are we going to do? How are we going to, are we going to respond? Are we going to react? Are we going to get bitter? Or are we going to get better? There's also this idea of just confusion of anger. What do I do with this? What do I do with this? Some things make us angry. Some things rightfully make us angry. There are injustices that take place in our world that should make us angry, bother us. Sometimes it's a Popeye moment. I can't take this no more. Eat your spinach. There should be those. But how you deal with that, how you respond, do you react, is so, so key. We talk about anger all day, but just a little glimpse of this. Uh, Go ahead and be angry. Process through what you're feeling. Ask why. You do well to be angry. But don't use your anger as fuel for revenge, to attack, to hurt somebody else. You're disappointed. You're wounded. So what do you do? Let's spread it around. Let other people be disappointed. Let other people be wounded. I'm just going to push back on that. Don't use it as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Now, the concept here... You know, the way I read it isn't that if you have a fight with your spouse at 9 o'clock at night and you got to get up at 5 o'clock the next morning, you need to hammer it out even if it takes till 2 in the morning. The concept here is you don't delay. You don't put it off. In mature relationships as you grow, Cindy and I can have an issue and we can set it aside and deal with it later. Now, we deal with it later. You just don't ignore it. You don't let... Tomorrow, turn into two weeks, three months, and then it starts to settle into your heart, and you start adding other things to it. The idea is deal with it, walk through it, figure it out, and we're confused about anger. 
We just don't let it slide. We just don't let it stuff because then it will explode sometime. See that in the story from the Older Testament. See that in the story with the, the older son. It was in there and it was stuffed down and they hadn't processed through it. The older son, why? We don't know. And again, it's a parable, so you can read too much into this. There's a bottom line to it. But, but could the, the older son have actually talked with his dad and say, you know, I know younger brother has gone away, and this just tears me up. This way it makes me feel. Uh, you come home, dad, what, why are you doing this? Rather than reacting, why not respond? Go in and, you know, do the party thing, and then afterwards say, dad... What was going on with that? I've been loyal to you. And, you know, the order of those things, it could have been a positive, communicative, understanding experience, but it went negative. And, and honestly, a lot of us respond that way. Uh, disillusionment of life. We've all met people that just have a bitter, just, they're just bitter. Sometimes, those, again, things started off with good reasons, but it's kind of like grabbed a hold of their life, and they're just angry and disappointed and disillusioned with everything. Sometimes it happens with the church. You're a part of a church, and something happens, and, and it shouldn't have happened, and it was unkindness, and, and you become disillusioned, and you get so sick, and you walk out the doors, and you never come back. And then you never go back to any church, and you're disillusioned. Psalmist writes, then I realized how bitter I had become, how pained I had been by all I had seen. A lot of us have been there, all that you've seen. All you've seen in a relationship, at a church, in your family, with your husband, with your wife. All you've seen, and you just, you're just, there's just a heaviness, and now you're marked by that heaviness. That's how a grudge can take hold of you and me. So, the good news, how does a grudge, uh, grudge well, this is, we're not the good news yet, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm getting myself, still some more bad news. <laughs> the grudge tightens around some things, we've kind of touched on that, it tightens around our relationships. Grudges affect our relationships. Uh, try to stay out of all quarrels and seek to live a clean and holy life. The idea is that quarrels, it says something about our vertical relationship with God when we're always quarreling with people, when we're always dissatisfied, when we're disagreeable, when it comes from a grudge, a hurt, a bitterness. God doesn't want us to live that way, and it affects our relationship with Him. Work at getting along with each other and with God. Again, that idea that when I'm not getting along with others, there's a good indicator that I'm not getting along with God. God tells us to love him and love others. If I'm bad at loving others, then my love with God, there's something misfiring there. There's something not working there. Um, Also, it affects our growth. If you want to grow spiritually, uh, the mission statement of our church is to make a difference in people's lives by leading them into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Growing relationship. It's just not doing stuff. So we need to be growing all of us in our relationship with God so we can lead others. We can't lead others to a place that we are not going ourselves. So this affects our growth. For the one who is not holy will not see the Lord. Otherwise, you will never get so much as a glimpse of God. It's the idea that you want God showing you up in your life. You want God leading you and teaching you. When you and I become bitter, when you and I become uh, just, uh, just have this grudge, it affects him showing up. You want to have, be more aware of God's presence with him? He can't 
in a sense, be in that place. He doesn't leave you, but he just can't be in that speaking into your heart when there's no room for him to speak into your heart because it's filled with the grudge and it's filled with bitterness. Um, Also see, it affects our ability to make a difference. Now, again, we're about being difference makers in our community, in our lives, in our church family, and beyond, and it affects our ability to be a difference maker when we don't deal with the grudge. Again, I've not seen anyone have a better life, a better experience, a better relationship because they're bitter and have a grudge. I don't think you can give me an answer. There's a real bitter, grudgeful person, and they've got a great life. You can't show me anybody that. So to be better, we've got to get rid of the bitterness. And it affects looking out for each other so that not one of you will fail to find God's blessings. Sometimes that's personal. Sometimes that's to others. We're we're disrupting God's blessings when grudges take over. And sometimes we can stuff them deep. They're below the surface. They're deep. And it still affects the way things are going. It's just not on the outside. It, It, like, limits what's happening. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. We could go back and we could see God's been generous to us. Thankfully, God doesn't hold judges, um, grudges against us. He's not bitter towards us. He's generous to us. And there's plenty, at least in my life, probably none of your lives, for him to be offended about. There's plenty in my life for him to be a little bitter about. There's plenty of, enough in my life to be, have a little bit of a grudge towards me. But he doesn't do that. So we, in turn, follow God, let him change our heart, and then it touches other people's hearts. And we are generous. There's also the idea of our vibe. The vibe we send, the, the, the just what people pick up from us. And uh, I was really blessed to grow up in a home when you think about church life and all this kind of thing. My parents didn't speak bad about anyone. Never around the table would I hear about this going on, this person doing that. Never heard that. Never heard when the pastor, blah, 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 and just never heard that as a kid. I was unbelievably surprised when I was in my early 20s and my dad shared some of the things that had gone on. I was, I was blown away. Why? Because he, they didn't present this vibe to the kids. They weren't, I, we weren't picking this up from them. So we did the same thing. And all of you, you know, you're around people. You can, you can be hurt. You can have bad things happen. And our kids had no idea when somebody was giving us a hard time. They, they just they had no clue. We didn't share that with them. We didn't want to present our grudges, if they became grudges, our bitterness, if it became bitter. We did not want our kids to know that stuff. They Pollyanna view of church is great. Everybody, I remember the first time I discovered that somebody didn't like my pastor growing up. I couldn't believe it. Could not, couldn't even, what? What? Never picked up that vibe. As parents, as influencers, we want to make sure the vibe that we're sending is not a vibe of bitterness and grudges. Doesn't mean we're not genuine, doesn't mean we're not honest, but you know what I'm talking about. There's a tipping point where uh, being genuine all of a sudden becomes sending out a vibe of bitterness and grudge. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you, for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. The vibe. So, how do we loosen the grip? How do we turn and go, we're 10 miles in, we got 10 miles to get out? How do we turn around and start moving in that direction? First of all, we need to deal with the pain and pattern behind your anger. 
Where's this grudge come from? What's going on with this bitterness? Why is there this pattern in my life? If I don't figure that out, I may be able to take care of bitterness number one, but someday there'll be a bitterness number two, and they'll just replace each other, and I'll stay out in the middle of the woods, and I will have not made progress out of the woods of bitterness. So I look at those patterns. I see what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? How am I reacting? How am I not becoming better? I'm becoming bitter. How does that all work? And again, you can't figure this out in five minutes on a Sunday morning. You can't figure this out in half an hour this week thinking about it. You've got to put your body, put your mind, put your heart moving in that direction. A wise man controls his temper. He knows that anger causes mistakes. You have been angry and broken something? You have been angry and said something? It causes mistakes when it's reactionary, not responsive. A wise person controls his temper. We're going to see in another passage where you, if you're a Christ follower, have God in you. You have fruits of the Spirit. So you, me, should be an example of self-controlledness. Another verse says, smart people know how to hold their tongue. Their grandeur is to forgive and forget. Smart people. Whoops, don't want to say that. Don't want to react. I want to respond. I learn how to forgive, how to forget, how to let that gap be filled in with love. I love God, so I love people. And that love for people is shown in forgiveness. Again, that doesn't mean you enable people for bad behavior. It doesn't mean you look the other way and let things go on. But it means you have a forgiveness heart and a forgetting heart because you love that person and you lean that direction rather than the other way, making sure bitterness doesn't grab root in your heart. If you do, peace can replace bitterness. When you do that, Peace can replace bitterness. Even though you've been hurt, even though you've been disappointed, there can be a wholeness and a peace that starts to replace as you move out of those woods. The acts of a sinful nature are obvious. Discord, jealousy, fit of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, and envy. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you know Jesus, those are yours. Those aren't somebody else. Those are yours. All those things. And those concepts root out bitterness, root out reaction instead of responding. Also, we see that we receive our fulfillment in God, not circumstances. This is so easy to say, so easy to say, so difficult to live out. But our fulfillment as a Christ follower gets to the place where, yes, circumstances matter. It's nice when things are going better. But circumstances aren't the controlling factor for our joy in our life because we have those fruits of the Spirit. So our fulfillment comes in a growing relationship with God, not what is going on on the outside. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. You know, remember the story of Joseph and getting sold into slavery, one thing after another. Don't be afraid. 
I am in the pl- am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph, amazing. 30, 35, that's his heart. Uh, he had every reason to be bitter and to hold a grudge. And somehow he was able to replace that. I'm sure there were some days when he was in prison for all those years, 13 years I think it was, uh, that, that it just weighed him down. But he was able to hold it at bay and realize God was doing something all this. His fulfillment was in God, not circumstances. When we do this, gratitude replaces bitterness, thankfulness. It's real hard to be bitter when you start listing all the things you are thankful for. Not all of them, but even in the most disruptive, hurtful relationships, sometimes you can find some goodness in there that you can be thankful for this, even though all this happened. Gratitude can replace bitterness. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one, that's Jesus, who makes me who I am. That's gratitude over bitterness. Giving up expectations of others to God. Just laying them in his hands. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The only way you learn that is by finding yourself in places where people let you down and you have to change your direction and look to God and find your fulfillment in him and let your expectations go. Go. People are going to let you down. Even your closest friend is going to let you down from time to time. And you release that to God. And when that happens, if you do, grace can replace bitterness. The same grace that you've experienced, that I've experienced, can now be replaced. And that's the process of walking out of the woods. Summing it up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing because grace will replace our bitterness. Also, lastly, when... These things are just seem to be not getting you anywhere, and that happens. Bring your hurt to the foot of the cross. In just a few minutes, we're going to take just a couple minutes and remember what Christ has done for you. I hope you received a communion cup and a little wafer on the way in. If not, when we get to that part, uh, they're available. But we're going to remember what Christ has done for us. When everything fails, that's where we go. I have a little list. I'm a list guy. Try to be organized. Probably it's a detriment in some places, but I have a little list that I read a couple times a week, and I have the word faithful, and I describe that my description of who God is. Each letter represents someone, and one of the Fs is fair. I remind myself that God is more than fair. I remember what Jesus did. That wasn't fair. I remember Stephen giving his life. And saying, 
Don't hold this against them. They don't know what they do. Repeating the words of Jesus when he's on the cross. I look at those two individuals. I look at Jesus. I look at Stephen. I go, whatever I'm facing, I can lay at the cross and trust you with it. I don't have to let it make me be bitter and have a grudge. I can actually turn the tables on whatever it is and actually get better. And when I do that, forgiveness can replace bitterness. Never see bitterness in Jesus' heart. Don't see bitterness in Stephen's heart. We go from one example after the other of seeing people that have a sense of forgiveness rather than bitterness. This is the kind of life you've been invited to, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so that you will know that it could be done and also know how to do it step by step. I love that. Step by step, not mile by mile, step by step. He never did one thing wrong, not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. Sometimes I have to lay it at the foot of the cross. I have to just say, forgiveness, and I'm trusting God to set things right. And then in really good moments, because I've gotten better instead of bitter, I say, you know, God, you setting things right. You offered me grace. You offered me forgiveness. Somehow you need to offer that to the same person because how can I ask for you to set things right and be kind to me and then not use the same tone, the same whatever to somebody else? I can't do that. So as we go through this series and we think about the grudge, we think about getting better instead of bitter, and we think about taking steps out of the woods of bitterness one step at a time, one-tenth of a mile at the time, we need to realize that we can get over it. And if I'm over it, I'm over it when I choose better over bitter. Real quickly, uh, let me, I maybe have shared this before. Um, my uh, Grammy stall on my mom's side, my mom's mom, um, really had a hard life. She grew up in a home where there was like 12 kids and uh, her mom and dad or mom and stepdad couldn't provide food for them. So she went off to live with her uh, aunt in Baltimore. Her aunt in Baltimore was abusive. She was, she, I discovered later on that she would occasionally get mad at my Grammy and uh, break a chair over her back and those kinds of things. Uh, she finds her way through that. She had some talent in basketball. And these are in the days where uh, that just, you know, women in sports and all that. So she couldn't exercise that. Her, her aunt wouldn't let her do those things. And she had a sister also there who was her aunt's favorite. And the favorite, aunt, the favorite sister got everything and she got nothing. So later on, she eventually, I don't know, I don't remember the story how she meets my grandfather and uh, Grandpa Stahl. And uh, they get married, and life is just beautiful. Such a change. There's one time where he, he, the aunt goes after my uh, grandmother when they're married, and my grandfather, the rescuer, says, you are not to, I mean, just, you know, stopped her. And just, again, just rescued. And then 
two kids, my mom, then my, my aunt or younger sister, and then I think when my mom was uh, around 13, 14, uh, my grandfather came down with MS, and in a few years, uh, he passed away, and it was a vibrant man who just shriveled up, and in his shriveling up, uh, there were moments where he, he was caustic and reactionary, and it was just hard. It was hard. Uh, you know, he was bedridden and all those kinds of things. So my grandmother survives all that and uh, gets to work at a bank and works her way up and is in a vice president training program. And this is probably, I don't know, late, you know, early, I don't know, 50s or whatever. And uh, someone rebought the bank and uh, they decided that women shouldn't be vice presidents in the bank. So they kicked her out of that program, and she went back to a clerk position. And that's what she did for the rest of her life. Then she, in the early 80s, got cancer and 10 years of that, and uh, on and on and on and on. But you know what? I never picked that vibe up for my Grammy. I would never have known that. I never picked that up. Amazing. Um, I'm sure there was really low moments, but she never let bitterness capture her heart. I, I had no idea. Even recently, my mom told me a story about caring for her dad that was just really hard for a 16-year-old to do for, for her dad. It was hard for my grandfather, and, and I never heard that before. I never heard any bitterness. So I, I tell you that story just to tell you, again, it's a choice. Am I over it? I'm over it when I choose to be better over bitter. Would you please pray with me? Grace Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your tender care for us. All of us are in different places with different experiences, different hurts, um, just, just all kinds of things. And Lord, we just, we just ask that you would help us to be in that process of moving out of the woods from bitterness and becoming better not just better for ourselves, not just peaceful for ourselves, but for those around us that they could be touched by better rather than bitter. And if there's anyone here this morning that has not said yes to you, that's the starting point. That's the first step. And even in their seat right now, I would just ask as an expression in their heart, they would say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I thank you for the gift of your forgiveness, your death, burial, resurrection, I thank you for that. I, I want you to join my life through your spirit, and I do want to follow you, and I want to start taking steps in a different direction away from bitterness, and I thank you that you'll help me with that. And for those of us who have said yes to you already, I ask that you would help us to really be able to integrate those fruits of the spirit into our everyday life so we become better instead of bitterness. Lord, it's a choice. We ask for strength. We ask for passion. Uh, we, we ask that you would compel us to make that kind of a choice. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.